Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hope Solo Speaks. I'm Hope. Thank you for joining me on this journey. This show breaks barriers, speaks truth, shares life experiences, and opens eyes. I've always said silence never changed the world. Today, for my second episode on Hope Solo Speaks, I'd like to touch on a subject that many might find taboo. This show is about not being placed in a box. And to do that, we must recognize that stereotypes and perceptions exist. And because somebody has an extraordinary life or unusual circumstances of their upbringing, does not necessarily mean that they had a hard childhood or a disadvantaged life. Their upbringing perhaps is not easily classified. So oftentimes others try to use a stereotypical box to explain something that they don't understand. And my issue with this is it steals from any individual being placed in that particular box of stereotypes. Everybody's life experience is unique. And oftentimes, instead of honoring them and giving them praise, they are used as clickbait and statistics. And it's an injustice to a person who is trying to actually step out of that box. The reason why this is important to me is because People have tried to psychoanalyze me for most of my adult life. It was never enough that I was unique and singularly talented. People always perceived that I came from a tough childhood. So I started to take a closer look on why people are always trying to put me in a box for the benefit of their own understanding. Well, throughout my career, there were a great deal of headlines dramatizing my upbringing. I became the Olympian whose father was homeless. The media loved it and it stuck. And somehow that sob story made the world believe that I had a tough childhood. The reality is that I spent a great deal of time having meaningful conversations with my father and even knew my father better than most young men and women know theirs. So why did others insist that my childhood was tough? I had a sibling who naturally like siblings do. We fought like cats and dogs. Or did people think it was so tough on me because my hippie mom enjoyed smoking cannabis and taking us to happy camp on the Oregon coast? The media were the ones who always told the story, but really my mom was a badass. She was the first female correctional officer in a men's prison. In fact, she was a black belt in karate and taught the warden of the prison how to fight. She worked for the local police department and she worked at a plutonium uranium extraction plant during the Cold War analyzing samples of all radioactive materials. She is smarter and tougher than most. A tough childhood? Why would anyone think that? I had grandparents who lived three blocks away from me. We had year-round membership at the local pool at the yacht club, and my family lived a mere few blocks from the beautiful Columbia River. We had a cabin in the Blue Mountains, and my stepdad took us boating every weekend. I'm feeling pretty loved and pretty well-parented. My parents provided a wonderful life for me. So do I feel sorry for myself? Absolutely not. But media had a different story to tell, a dramatic story about an Olympian whose father was homeless and living on the streets of Seattle. The truth is that I realized a long time ago that I didn't have it all that tough. It's just an entertaining story for others to tell. It's what sells news and gets clicks on the internet. There are many kids in many places who do have a tough upbringing. My father was homeless, I was not. My mom was a provider who deserves the respect. I never starved even when my parents got laid off from the Hanford nuclear power plant. My mom still spent her last paycheck for me to have Jordans. It goes back to my original question. What classifies tough? Tough may just mean strength gained from struggle. There is no normal. It's just life. Now, I had the 
honor to speak to a fellow Olympian who actually solidified this in me. That tough really is a state of mind and that we are all capable of greatness. I'll let her share her story, but truthfully, this conversation is about more than just what happened to her as an infant. It's about what she's accomplished since then. Wait to be inspired. She doesn't allow the media or outsiders tell her story. She tells it herself. Sports can bring a ton of comfort, joy, happiness, and freedom. I loved sports in a way that I could never fully explain. The joy, the beauty, the competition, the purity at times, and the quietness at times. This episode is special to me because last week, we talked about sports and politics, about equal pay, and all the crap surrounding the beautiful game. But today, I want to introduce you to somebody who lives her life freely, lovingly, and competitively without the shackles of stereotypes. She is a model, a spokesperson, a motivational speaker, and a fellow Olympian. Some may think she has it tough, but really, she is tough, and she lives her life to the fullest. Please welcome Paralympian Haven Shepherd. Haven, um, I'm so excited to have you on. Once again, thank you. Sports has been a huge part of my life on and off the field. It has brought joy and sadness to my life <laughs> and heartbreak, you know, when you don't win the big medal. But I, I just want to learn more about you and hear about your story. Um, I want to hear about what sports means to you, if you don't mind sharing. No, no problem. Um, I just want to say hope. I am very honored that I'm talking to you. Um, you're an icon. You're a legend. I am so honored to be here and so thankful that Smoothie King hooked us up. Yeah. So I started um, with my sport when I was 10 years old. I started swimming, but that's not where my story began. I was born in Vietnam to two parents that had an affair and had me. And in Vietnam, women can't divorce husbands. So they thought the best way to be together was to commit a family suicide. And they strapped bombs onto themselves and they held me. And all the damage was done to my legs. I was blown 40 feet away from the accident. And that happened when I was 16 months old. And, now, and then I got adopted when I was 20 months old. So I've really lived in the U.S., my whole life. And, um, then I, then I started sports and then I went to the Tokyo summer games. <laughs> so Tokyo was your first Olympics. Yes, it was. Well, how was it? It was amazing. I, I graduated the same year, so it probably, it was the best senior trip I could ever ask for. Um, and it was just with a bunch of my friends and I really felt like it was just like a, like a vacation plus training plus competing. So I thought that was really cool, but Tokyo was great. Taking 15 teenagers to the biggest competition of their life is definitely like riling cats. So it was a lot of, it was, it was a lot of fun. How long were you training to hopefully qualify for Tokyo? I started training when I like hardcore training when I was in 20 2016 after Rio games. Um, I didn't make the team obviously, but, and then we had the delay for COVID. Um, so it was just been a long journey. And, um, now I, I went when I was 18, I'm turning 19 in eight days. 
And so, yeah, that is where it all started. But I started swimming when I was 10 years old. So this has been like an eight-year journey. Did you always have the dream to compete in the Paralympics? Yes, I did. Um, When you were 10? Yeah, when I was 10. I actually was in track for a long time. And soccer, I can imagine how much running that takes. But I can, I just hate running. Like, if you see me running, I hope somebody's chasing me. Yeah, I just did not, I did not like running. I didn't like the sweat going into my eyes. So um, it was, it was a real challenge. So I, my parents decided to switch things up and they put me in a swim clinic and then I turned out I was really good. And then I was at a YMCA club and then three months of that, they said I, they couldn't train me anymore because I was, they taught all that they could. And then, and then I got on a USA swimming club and I swam all year round. And then now we're here. You know, what's funny is uh, I actually like to jog and run. I think it's mentally stimulating and healthy and we have 60 acres. So I run on our property and by the river, but we also have a huge pool. And I wanted to make sure that it was really long so that I could do laps Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I needed, I I needed to have a good workout when I was pregnant. So we Uh built a huge long pool and I did my laps. I swear to you, I would count the laps. I'd be like one, two, three, four, five. (laughs) Each time I touched the edge, my husband would be like, Oh no, you have to go down and back. And that counts as one. (laughs) A tough sport. And it's amazing because it's, you know, it, it's a full body workout. I, I absolutely respect what you do. I think it's a very difficult endurance wise. Also, even though you, you hate running, it's absolutely endurance. Yes. And, and it takes a lot of muscle strength from all your different body parts. So I, I think swimming is one of the tough sports. So what's up for the next Olympics? Because tell us how you finished for, in Tokyo and what are your goals? Next? So I went in eight in my 200 IM and I came out fifth and you know I was like wow okay but like I just had new goals every single time like I my goal was to make finals and I did that and then when finals I said okay my goal is to PR and I did that and um I just I didn't set much expectations on myself because I didn't feel like that was really realistic so I just said I just wanted to do the best that I can and that's the same attitude I'm going to take into Paris and hopefully they'll take me because um, I'm pretty feisty for them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So my husband, um, he wanted me to tell you to shoot for nothing less than gold. Once you're there, anything can happen. And believe it. Uh, take it. Sorry, what's his name? His name's Jeremy. Jeremy. I will not let Jeremy down. So you have a couple of years to prepare. Who are you going after? Yeah. Um, the top dog is obviously Jessica Long. but. Um, I've looked up to Jessica my whole life. I mean, she was the one who mentored me when I was 11 years old. And it's crazy to think like my 11 year old self, you know, looking up to her so much. And then I was in a heat with her. Um, I mean, that was just the best feeling in the world. And um, I just got the chills. <laughs> I know, Isn't that crazy? Like, and we talk about, we're like, we're really good friends. And we talk about it all the time. I'm like, I did not expect to even be in a heat with you, let alone, you know, ending up being really good friends. So, um, obviously, obviously everybody wants to win. I want to win, but, um, you know, seeing her accomplishments, seeing her life, it's much different than mine. I would rather see her achieve than 
myself because I know what I've known what she's gone through, but obviously being up on that podium, you know, seeing your flag being raised. I mean, that is definitely such a dream. I think the most respect that you can give to your competitor is bringing your best self and competing for that gold. And I'm telling you right now, Haven, when I see you in the next Olympics and in in Paralympics, when is it? it? You said it's in Paris, right? It's in Paris. Um, you better be going for gold because I'm cheering for you and you have a lot of people cheering for you. And yes, Jessica Long is amazing. She has her own story, but you have your own story as well. And, and uh, I think that's the best respect that you can give your competitor is bring in your A game. I was really in my head um, during Tokyo of like focusing on other people. And obviously you can't do that. So I feel like my new train of focus now is just staying in my lane. You know, the biggest competitor in the pool is you. Um, you're focus- You're in your own lane. You know, you need to focus on yourself, not other people around you. So I feel like um, that's my new mindset for Paris. <laughs> I know that's difficult because you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. You're modeling, right? Yes. You do inspirational talks, I think. Yes. What you have gone through, what you are doing is truly inspirational and amazing. And that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast is because I want to be inspired. I think everybody in this day and age right now, I think people just want to see something beautiful and what you're going through. Um, what you've been through in life, the fact that you're still going to say, you know what, I'm going to compete in the Olympics. It doesn't, nothing's going to stop me is absolutely beautiful. So I just, I'm, I'm very honored to have you on the show. You know, kids are looking up to you and you have to inspire the next generation of, of young Paralympians. What do you talk to them about? Yeah. Um, well, Hope, I, I am no veteran towards, I look up to you so much, you know, everything you, that you stand up you stand up to for um I think it's really amazing and I've got and I get to I get to watch that and I get to see you um do that for all the for me the next generation I think that's very powerful and um I we all want to thank all women across America want to thank you especially since it's uh, almost women's day the biggest advice I tell young kids um especially when they see me in person it's it, don't be afraid don't be afraid because you are going to come across so many different people, people that look different than you just embrace it, you know, like, and I don't shy away from people wanting to talk to me because they're going to learn something. And, um, the biggest thing I tell younger kids is just don't be scared. Like even in the professional realm, everybody calls me an adaptive athlete and I am, but I'm a professional. This is what I do. This is what I do for a living. I go to the pool day in and day out and not, and it's always the pat on the shoulder. And, um, it's not, Oh, good for you. It's never, oh, wow. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. I want, I wanted to have you on this podcast as a fellow athlete, not somebody with a disability. Yes. And uh, I don't want to treat you any differently. I feel like being disabled and being a woman is just too very, like, it just goes together. I mean, people do treat me differently, but you know, I take that in stride of like, okay, yeah, I do. I do want to have a handicap steer because I don't want to park far away, but there's a big difference between why are we trying to teach people new words? Like handicapped is a very touchy word for some people, but like I have a handicap sticker on my driver's license. It says that I am handicapped, you know, and I can't make somebody learn a new word. I can change what people think of the word. And so I think as, you know, a as a woman, I'm not treated the same as like, a male uh, Paralympian, you know, as a young girl looking, looking at that. And I'm like, 
okay, like I'm 18 years old and I'm here and I don't feel appreciated even by my own team. You know, I, I work just as hard to get here and I don't feel like it's very fair. But um, I realized as soon as I got back home, everybody put in the little quote, like, oh, go for you. Like, but like, no, this is my job. I literally had some guy say, well, swimming doesn't pay the bills. And I was like, well, you would be wrong. <laughs> like, I remember telling people that I was a professional soccer player and people would be like, okay, but what do you, what do you really do for a profession? Yeah. I, I completely understand it. I mean, it's ignorance and I'm part of that. Tell me about your prosthetics. Like how, how does that work? Are they comfortable? I know you model, you speak, you have a lot of different amazing prosthetics. Um, I imagine that the science has gotten better over time. Definitely changed in the last since, you know, I, I've got, I've gotten prosthetics since I was probably six years old to now. So I've always lived my life like it, but people think my life revolves around not having legs. And it's really not because like, I wake up in the morning to put on my legs. You wake up in the morning to put on your glasses to see, like, you know, it's just part of your life. And people think I just, just waller in this, you know, Oh, I don't have legs talk. And so, um, the biggest way for like for my legs is like my fashion statement. They're my best accessory basically. And yeah, I do shy away from wearing pants because I don't feel like it helps me any way of the cause that I'm trying to make of like making everybody feel more normal. And, you know, like we have so many different people in America that look different than you sound like all this different stuff. And why aren't we, why are we trying to conceal ourselves to fit to this world instead of making everybody just make it a normal thing. Like I walk through the grocery store and I have on like shorts and people see my legs instead of them stopping me, they just look and acknowledge and then they move on and it becomes a normal part. So like when the next amputee they see, it'll just be, Oh, like, Oh, well they have, they have, they don't have legs. And like, it just becomes a normal thing for everybody just to um, have in their you know, day-to-day lives because I don't feel like we're very mainstreamed, but we are getting better. I mean, like we're, we're in commercials. We're like, it's very inspiring to think that we're changing the world and you're starting with that hope. I mean, you, you've stand up, you stood up for me, people like me, people all over the world and they look up to you and I look up to you. So I feel like all of us coming together right now, especially in this like little 25 minute zoom thing. I mean, we're changing something right now. But I do want to know about if you have a great doctor, like how, how does that work? I mean, I'm, you've, you've been dealing with this for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my prosthetics fit perfect. I mean, they're just such a day-to-day thing. They just feel just a part of my body now. Um, the feet that I have, they're really special. They're made for an adaptive athlete. Just It's like super high tech and it's bouncy and it moves with my body. Well, I mean, it's probably the best foot I've ever um, been on. It's called the Solius. It's made by college park and they have truly re-engineered the whole prosthetics game. My process is independent, but you can go to bigger corporations, but he's been with me since I was five years old. And I drive up to see him like once a year to like, make sure I have a tune up. I'm like a car. I'm like, got to get an oil change, you know, make sure everything's going good. But um. Yeah, prosthetics have come a long way, and I can't wait to see what. Because basically, we're where James Cameron thought we were at when he wrote um, Terminator. So um, we're basically getting to that point. What you're doing is really incredible, and 
I wish you all the best. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to be caring for you. I'm going to be holding you accountable. (laughs) You and Jeremy are going to hold me accountable. (laughs) You're uh, partnering with Smoothie King, but that has to do with recovery, right? After your workouts. Yeah, it's a big part of you know, just my day-to-day life, you, you understand like how important it is to take care of your body for the field, for the pool, or, and it's just as important as after. And the fact that Smoothie King wanted to partner with me and with this brand new, with the brand new smoothie, the activator recovery. I mean, it's just a great, like this morning, I literally just came from the pool this morning and I had a smoothie delivered and it was easy and I could just lay down and drink a smoothie and skip breakfast. So it's definitely like one of the things that I was like, yes, I can get behind this because it's honestly just very realistic for my life. And what's your favorite flavor? It Right now it's this pineapple spinach. It's really good. It has 26 grams of protein. So I can basically have it as like a huge snack. But I have, I've been waiting to drink this because it's been in my freezer for like a little bit. So I'm like, I'm dying to try this, but I've had it in the past. It's delicious. Okay. Well, I'm going to stick to more blueberry banana. Oh, I see. Awesome. Well, Haven, I wish you all the best and we'll be watching. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. On next week's episode, we'll be tackling the unfortunate and always relevant topic of athletes and their struggles with mental health. Hope Solo Speaks is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The producers are Andrew Emmer and Cliff Augustin. Marissa Rivez is the acting director of sports podcasts for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.